S.E.P. Fanfic Readings presents Aurelian by Biddy Blue Eyes Chapter 19 Bait Hermione glanced up at the clock on her mantel and continued to anxiously pace her small living room. It was nearly noon, which meant that she had been pacing her flat for over an hour. At one point, she had gone to the kitchen and made herself a quick lunch, but she had only taken two bites. She was much too nervous to eat. She reminded herself that this mission she and Draco were going to do was a rather simple one. It was nothing compared to some of the things she had done over the years. But even with all of her positive thinking, she was all nerves. She hadn't done any missions since the war. She tried to tell herself that it was not like anything in the war. It was more like when she, Harry, and Ron used to sneak around Hogwarts when they were students. But then she remembered that even all of the petty rule-breaking they had done had made her sick to her stomach. She sighed and looked at the clock again. Just as it began striking the hour, her fireplace chimed. She stopped and watched as Draco stepped into her living room. Hi, she greeted. She could tell just by the way he held himself that he was as anxious as she was. Hi. Are you ready to go? she asked. Yeah. Where's Potter? I thought he was supposed to be here with the cloak. He said he'd be waiting while we're gone. He stopped by a couple of hours ago with the cloak, Hermione said, picking the invisibility cloak off the sofa. He talked to Bill yesterday and had a meeting set with a few goblins at Gringotts for eleven. He was hoping he'd be back before we left, but he told us to go even if he wasn't. He'll be here waiting for whenever we get back. He has Ginny's mobile phone in case of an emergency. Ron has his as well. I'm sure we won't need them, but it's extra precaution. Draco nodded. Well, we know the plans. Are you ready? Yes. Let's go over the signals once more, though. Two taps? She asked. Wait. Three taps? Go ahead. Four or more taps? We leave. Good, Hermione said, sounding satisfied. And you stay close, behind me at my elbow at all times, he reminded her. I don't want to lose you. I know, she replied, so no point waiting any longer. Hermione threw the silver flowing cloak over herself and disappeared under it. Draco heard her footsteps, but even as close as she was to him, he couldn't tell where she was, and it made him tense. Where are you? Right here. She answered from his right side. She reached out and touched his right shoulder. Put your arm out so that I can apparate us to Diagon Alley, he ordered a bit more harshly than he meant to. He was edgy, and things often came out as a bark when he felt like that. He reminded himself not to take it out on the person standing next to him. They were partners today, voluntarily, and he needed to remember that she was anxious also. She moved her hand from his shoulder, and he reached out, blindly groping for her arm. He felt her raise her arm to meet his hand and lower it to the previous position. He tried to remember its height. He needed to be very conscious of her. He looked over to her again. It was a strange sensation to feel her small forearm in his grasp, to feel the silky material under his palm, and feel her heat through it, yet be unable to see any of it. I'm ready, she told him. Okay. Draco led them onto the front stoop of her home, closed his eyes, and after a deep breath, disapparated. When he opened his eyes, his black leather shoes were firmly planted on the smooth cobblestones of a very bright and cheery street. People were buzzing about with large smiles and overflowing shopping bags hanging from their arms, all enjoying the perfect summer day. Knowing he and Hermione would soon be leaving the jolly atmosphere of Diagon Alley made the colorful people and buildings feel surreal. Draco looked down and saw his hand frozen in a C formation, seemingly holding nothing, but still lightly grasping Hermione's forearm. Tentatively, he released her. He stood very still and just waited. He breathed deeply when he felt a light grasp on his elbow and steeled his nerves before he proceeded. 
He had been to Nocturne Alley several times in his childhood, and nothing remotely dangerous had ever happened to him. But then, the small voice inside him reminded, he had been a different person. He had felt so powerful and untouchable in his youth. He scowled at the thought. There was no reason he could not feel just as powerful now. He straightened himself, holding himself tall with pride and resolution, and started for the dark alley just left of Gringotts. Hermione was startled by Draco's sudden change in demeanor. He had been quiet and still since he arrived at her flat, but he'd instantly donned his mask of pride, his face carrying a hint of an arrogant sneer. It was a look she had seen many times before, but not in a very long time. It looked rather foreign and out of place after seeing him so comfortable the past few days. Looking at him at that moment, she remembered why she had once been so intimidated by him. He could be quite intimidating. She wondered, as she watched his purposeful and confident stride, if he was as nervous as she was. It was hard to imagine with the way he looked. Butterflies were fluttering madly in Hermione's stomach as they walked the descending path into the heart of Nocturne Alley. The feel and the look of the area correlated with the street's purpose and those that frequented it. The further they walked in, the darker and colder it became. Though the sun was as high as it was in the middle of summer, the tall buildings on either side of the narrow alley cast cool shadows around them. The effect made the dull gray buildings look even more forlorn, and the people they passed even more dubious. As Hermione had predicted, Draco quite stood out among the others around them. His immaculate black business robes, though matching the theme of the dark colors, were vivid and impeccable. Hermione had imagined that their drab surroundings would cause Draco's light hair and skin to look quite pale, but in the paleness around them, he looked almost as if he glowed. He may have looked cold to those around him, but to her, he was warmth and comfort in their dodgy surroundings. Draco looked straight ahead as he walked. Occasionally, he would glance at someone out of the corner of his eye, but his head never turned. Everyone else, however, stared rather blatantly in their direction. Draco walked straight down the center of the narrow street, and the people around him naturally moved to the side. It wasn't that he was recognized, it was simply the air in his step, his attitude of self-importance. Whether people realized it or not, whether they revered, despised, or recognized the man at all, they responded to him the way he meant them to. Hermione, on the other hand, noticed each and every person that they passed. Unlike Draco, she surveyed each of them warily. An ugly old hag, leaning on her cane, shuffled slowly along and stared at them through suspicious, wary eyes. Two wizards, going the opposite direction, wore hard expressions and glanced leerily at Draco. Taking in Draco's dress and demeanor, one of the men sneered and proudly pulled his tattered cloak closer to him. Though she knew she was not visible to any of them, she pulled herself in a little closer to Draco. It was as soon as she did that he stopped. She had to halt quickly so as not to stumble into him. She looked up at the building on the left, the building Draco faced. She knew it must be the place they were looking for, but it was hard to tell simply by looking at it. They had decided it would be best for Draco to make himself seen in the most common meeting place in Nocturne Alley, and he'd immediately mentioned this bar. From the outside, she would not have guessed it to be one. It was as plain, gray, and dingy as all of the other buildings. She was staring at a sturdy-looking wooden door with a large handle and a large window next to it. The window was extremely clouded. Hermione honestly couldn't tell if it had been painted so that no one could see in, or if it was just that dirty. The place had no outward appearances of being a business establishment, except for the small, weathered wooden plaque beside the door. It was barely legible, and if Draco hadn't told her that it was called Brim's Goblet, it was doubtful that she would have been able to decipher that from the sign. Draco promptly opened the door and started in. 
He let the door close smoothly so that Hermione was able to follow him in. Hermione blinked rapidly as she stepped in, not to adjust her eyes to the light, but to guard them against the smoky air that engulfed them. A sour, bitter smell hit her immediately and churned her empty stomach. She suppressed her discomfort the best she could and looked around. She was quite surprised by the size of the place as it was much larger than she had imagined from the outside. It was approximately the size of the three broomsticks, with a little over a dozen tables, but it was far from having the same inviting warmth. It was quite shabby-looking with dull, rickety tables, each lit with a single candlestick. The grungy, hard-looking atmosphere was very reminiscent of the hogshead, but even that place had a little more of a welcome feel to it. Hermione had had to trust Draco when it came to planning this mission. She had secretly questioned his judgment when he assured her that the bar would be quite populated at noon, but he had not been wrong. More than half of the tables were occupied, as well as a few bar stools. Draco ignored those that had looked up when he entered and walked over to an empty table in the center of the room. The table and its ring of mismatched chairs were as shoddy and untidy-looking as the entire establishment. Draco pulled out his chair and sneered. He looked down at the hand that had touched it and wiped it on his robes. He took out his wand and cast a silent cleaning charm over the table and its surrounding chairs. If the people there had not taken notice of him when he first came in, they certainly did now. Hermione had asked him to stand out and look suspicious, but she couldn't help but wonder if he might have done the same thing if he wasn't on a mission. Draco sat in his chair and waited with Hermione standing invisibly behind his right shoulder. People around the pub watched him curiously. After a few minutes, though, Hermione knew this was not a place where the staff went around to take orders. The barman approached Draco. The man, rather old and disgruntled-looking, gruffly asked if he could get Draco a drink. Draco looked at the man hard and shook his head no. The man scowled at him but begrudgingly left him there, choosing to ignore him completely. Hermione could feel the frustration radiating off of Draco, but could do nothing to assuage him. She could only imagine what it felt like to be scrutinized by everyone around him in such a way. After a few minutes, people seemed to lose interest in him. "'You can sit down, you know,' Draco muttered quietly without moving his lips. Hermione smiled warmly. It was a kind offer, and she was sorry that she could not accept it. She bent forward so that her lips were right behind his ear. "'I appreciate it, but I can't. I have to see and be ready.' Ready for what? Neither of them knew. They had tried to decide how long to stay in the bar the day before, but neither felt comfortable selecting an approximate amount of time or even a time limit. They decided that they simply had to play it by ear. The only thing they had agreed upon was that it would probably be more than half an hour. Forty-seven minutes passed quite slowly to Hermione. During this time, she watched each and every person in the bar with great scrutiny, but she was becoming tired. Her legs ached from standing in one place for so long. She felt the need to bend her knees and shuffle her feet a bit, but she was afraid to make too much noise. Her stomach had growled a few times, and she cursed herself for not eating earlier that morning. There was a swirling feeling in her head, and she felt herself begin to sway. She wasn't sure if it was simply an effect from standing still so long, or if it might have been something to do with the noxious, smoky air. She highly suspected the second, as she was not used to being around people that smoked, not to mention she had no idea what was burning in the pipe of the goblin in the corner. The blue swirling smoke that issued from it was a sure sign that it was not simply tobacco. Unlike Hermione, Draco had absolutely no idea of how much time had passed. Taking his manners from his father, he refused to look at his watch. Though in his everyday life he often overlooked his father's teachings, it was times like this that he remembered them all. Only the foolish are impatient. He had heard it more times than he could count. 
as patience was a virtue that did not come easily for him. But his father was right in this case. Impatience would get them nowhere. He sat back in his chair, never, even for a moment, allowing his straight and proper posture to slump. Malfoys were people of great prestige, and when in public, it was his duty to conduct himself with dignified propriety. He glanced around occasionally, appearing indifferent of the people around him. He spent just as much time staring at the cuff of his sleeve, the grain of the table, and the bottles behind the bar. It was Hermione's job to survey their surroundings. It was his job to simply sit there and allow people to wonder about him. Hermione was so still and silent that a few times Draco had moved his arm back just to feel that she was still there. He had to admit that he was rather impressed by her discipline. He was lost in a bored daze and was rather startled when he felt three soft, even taps on his shoulder. It was time to act. He wasn't sure if she had seen something or not, but she had decided it was time to move forward. Draco watched as a man at a nearby table sit down his empty takeard and stood up from his chair. As the man passed, Draco nodded to him in acknowledgment. The scraggly-looking man, though confused, returned the gesture. To anyone around them, it probably seemed that this man was someone that Draco knew, as Draco had not acknowledged anyone except the barman since he arrived. But it was untrue. The man was no one. Draco had never seen him before in his life, and he understood that he meant nothing to Hermione either. It was simply part of the plan. As soon as the door closed behind the burly stranger, Draco pushed suddenly out of his seat and walked straight to the bar. The barman eyed him suspiciously as he approached. Draco leaned over the bar and whispered hoarsely to the barman so that only those nearest had been able to hear him. The old barman looked a little disgruntled, but nodded and proceeded to the back room. Only a moment later, the barman reappeared with a clean glass and a dusty old bottle. He stared at Draco as he opened the brand new bottle and poured a double of steaming liquid. Draco nodded and threw down his drink. He placed two gold galleons on top of the bar and walked out without a word, Hermione grasping his elbow. A double? She whispered the playful tease in his ear. He smirked over his shoulder and walked on at a comfortable pace. They walked back up the street the way they had come, but Diagon Alley was not their next destination. Draco slowed as he neared the door to the apothecary. Unlike the bar, this establishment was unmistakable. There were several jars of assorted items and dried herbs hanging in the front windows. Just outside the door were two large, foul-smelling barrels— one was filled with slimy black moving creatures that looked much like leeches, only prickly, and the others could only be described as looking like small and flattened spheres of human skin. Draco glowered at the barrels in disgust and entered through the open door. While the air in the alley was considerably cool for summer, the apothecary was stifling hot. Without hesitation, Draco walked to the counter and waited for the plump, warty old witch to help him. She had glanced at him, but continued to weigh the frog spawn on the scale, scooping out of the jar with her fingers. When she was satisfied with it, she wiped her hands on her filthy apron and approached Draco. He asked for five rabbit spleens, and the woman disappeared through a door behind the counter into the back of the shop. There was nothing extraordinary about the order. It was something he could have easily asked for in Diagon Alley, but it was something that needed to be stored behind the counter, and had to be kept in a small leather sack, which would again have the public especially anyone taking interest in him, curious. He paid for his order and turned around when he felt two soft taps on his shoulder. It was the signal to wait. Draco's stomach flopped. She had seen something and it concerned him. Of course, the point was for her to see things, but it still frightened him. Draco turned to the shelf beside him and pretended to take interest in a jar above him. His heart beat faster than usual as he waited for Hermione to whisper something to him, but instead he felt her hand pull away from his arm. 
He stiffened and instantly became angry with her. He told her again and again that she wasn't to leave his side. It was only then that he realized that she had never actually committed to that, and it frustrated him further. He took a step back, hoping that she had just taken a few steps back, but she wasn't there. He wanted to move around the store in an attempt to find her, but he would not deviate from the plan. If she told him to wait, then it meant she would be back for him. In the meantime, he just had to feign interest in the disgusting substances before him. It was only a minute later, though. It seemed much longer that Draco felt three taps on his shoulder. It was the sign to move on, but he didn't budge. "'What is it?' he muttered almost inaudibly. He felt Hermione's body press against his back, and she stood on her tiptoes to whisper in his ear. The cloak-socked material slid across his neck, and he twitched. "'I think we're being followed. The man outside was in the bar.' Draco tried to casually look out the window, but he felt three raps on his shoulder. The way she did it was her way of scolding him. He wasn't allowed to notice the man. He had to appear completely unaware that he was being followed. With Hermione's hand on his right elbow again, he exited the store and continued back up the hill. His heart hammered as he wondered who was following them. He hoped that it was just Dennis Creevy in disguise, but he knew that it really could be anyone. An image of his uncle's scowl flashed in his mind, and the whole mission suddenly felt much more dangerous. Hermione was as close as she could be without stepping on his heels, but she felt too far away. He wished that she would just give him the four taps on his shoulder so they could leave. Receiving no further instructions, Draco followed their pre-made plan and walked into Borgen and Burke's. The shop was empty except for him and the hidden Hermione, but when the bell above the door rang, a slender man with oily white hair and bushy white brows appeared behind the counter. He narrowed his eyes and squinted to get a look at the man approaching him. Finally, the man picked up a small set of lenses, and when he was able to see his customer clearly, he stepped back in surprise. Fear flashed over his face, but almost instantly his features melted to a patronizing smile. My, if it isn't young Master Malfoy, or should I say Mr. Malfoy, as you are now the man of the house, the man said with a slick, oily voice. It's been so long since I've seen you. What can I do for you today? You wouldn't by chance be interested in this rare and enough, Borgen, Draco interrupted with a sneer. The man and his shop were a part of his past that he would never want to see again. I know what I'm here for today, so you can stop trying to sell me your silly little trinkets. Oh, a man of business, like your father, I see, he stated by way of a compliment. Draco was not fooled. Borgen never liked his father. He feared his father. Draco's answer came only by way of a small envelope that he slid across the counter. Mr. Borgen looked quite hesitant to take it, and did so tentatively, as though it could bite. His hand shook, possibly just with age, as he opened the paper. He looked a little flustered and bitter when he read it. He folded it up and slid it quietly into his pocket. "'I see,' the man answered, looking downhearted more than anything else. "'I will see to it, Mr. Malfoy.' "'You'd better,' Draco said seriously. He understood the man's attitude and didn't blame him, but he did not feel sorry for him either.' The paper Draco had given him was a copy of a legal note, signed by the chief warlock of the Wizengamot, that proclaimed him the heir of his father's legacies, including all debts, duties, and credits. Draco had presented Mr. Borgen with the request to close all accounts that had been made in his father's name. He expected the full amount owed to his father to be placed in his Gringotts accounts. It was indeed terrible news to the shopkeeper, as he owed Lucius Malfoy quite a hefty credit. Draco walked a little slower as he began to exit the store, giving Hermione the opportunity to stop him if she needed to. 
I saw extendable ears under the shop door, Hermione whispered. We leave now. Be conscious of your wand. Draco took a deep breath and exited the shop. He turned up the hill and tried to keep his pace steady. Hermione audibly gasped when Draco stopped in his tracks. He stood unmoving for a moment, and Hermione looked around frantically for what he might have seen that would make him stop so suddenly. She couldn't see anything. Without warning, Draco turned around and started walking down the descending path once again. He was going the wrong way. Hermione became frightened by his impetuous decision and wrapped him four times on the shoulder. Her signal did nothing to slow him. In fact, he seemed to speed up. She was then forced to jog to keep up with him. She tapped him urgently on the shoulder again. When he still did not respond, she gripped his elbow hard and tried to forcefully slow him down. She gasped again when he fiercely threw her off. Unprepared for such an action, she stumbled. She was just righting herself when someone brusquely pushed past her. She fell to the ground with a grunt and stared up in horror when she saw a large man in a black cloak quickly walking after Draco. She tried once again to get to her feet when a witch tripped over Hermione's hidden body. Forgetting the witch, Hermione scrambled to her feet and ran after the two men at full tilt, bumping into people as she went. She saw Draco turn into a narrow alley between buildings and the large man followed. "'I knew it!' the man said with an angry, gruff voice. "'I knew you were nothing but a rotten, bloody Death Eater!' Draco stood with his back to the brick of the wall at the end of the alley. He stared impassively at the large, surly man who confronted him. Harry Potter never should have trusted you. Justice should be determined by those who are not afraid to give vile creatures like you what they really deserve, the man snarled. Feel justice! Draco lifted his hand and clutched his own throat tightly. A gargled grunt escaped him as his body struggled to take an air. Dennis, stop! Hermione screamed in horror. "'Who's there?' the man shouted, spinning around to face the speaker. "'Expelliarmus!' Hermione cried. She ripped off the invisibility cloak just in time to catch the man's wand. "'Hermione Granger?' he gasped in surprise. Hermione paid him no mind. She stared at Draco, who was still tightly gripping his own throat. She was frantic, panicked, unsure of what to do next. "'Stupefy!' she shrieked. The stunned man between Draco and herself collapsed unconscious to the ground. Hermione rushed to Draco and tried to physically pull his hand away. No! Finite incantatum! As soon as she said it, Draco's hand fell away and she sobbed in relief. Draco! Draco blinked in horror and coughed as he gently massaged his throat. His breaths came quickly and his heart raged in his chest. When it appeared he was beginning to gather himself, and his eyes snapped to Hermione with his lip curled in disgust. Gods, Granger! What the fuck were you doing? I thought that's what you were here to prevent. I, I'm sorry, she shrieked. Without warning, she threw her arms around Draco's neck and clung to him tightly. Gods, Draco, I am so sorry. I was so scared. I was so frightened that I couldn't stop it. I didn't know what to do. I hadn't realized you were under Imperius when you turned around. I was, I'm so sorry, she bawled into his shoulder. Her actions and emotion took him by surprise and his rage vanished instantly. He uncertainly wrapped his arms around her waist, and she squeezed him tighter. I didn't understand. I thought that when he was disarmed, the spell would break. Then again when he was unconscious. I'm surprised that Finite and Cantatum even worked. I was so scared, she rattled off. It wouldn't usually work, Draco said in a flat, far-off voice. His spell wasn't that strong, though strong enough. Draco pulled her back and looked down into her tearful brown eyes. He felt lost, but he felt so full. He stared into her and saw it. He found the one thing he wanted more than anything else. 
It was the girl in the memory. He remembered quite vividly the scene where she thought he was dead, the time he had taken the draught of the living death. He had replayed it over and over in his mind. The torturous look on her face, the immense grief she felt, and the spark of hope she had when she knew he might still survive. He could still picture her diligence and desperation as she fought to pull him from the death-like sleep, and the painfully strong relief when he was revived. He had since looked at the present Hermione with that desire, hoping that she might one day become that woman. But as he looked at her just then, he realized that she was already that person. She was all he wanted. Without another wasted thought, his lips crashed down upon hers. He felt no pause. She returned his kiss with fervor. He tightened his arms around her and her fingers wove into his hair. Their mouths moved perfectly together and he didn't hesitate to glide his tongue along her lip and gain entrance to her mouth. Hermione started at first, as she had never been kissed that way. Her apprehension disappeared quickly, though, and her tongue met his. Draco was not ready for the kiss to end, but Hermione gently pulled away. He looked down at her, and fear gripped him when he saw the uncertainty in her eyes. He was afraid he'd done it again, moved too quickly. This, this isn't the place, she said breathlessly. Draco could breathe again. She did not regret it. This just wasn't the time or the place for it. He nodded temporarily, unable to speak. Hermione turned around and looked at the large man with the grisly ginger beard who had attacked Draco only a minute before. She was afraid to approach him, but gathered her courage. "'I'll take him back to my flat,' she announced. "'I'll meet you there,' Draco told her. She nodded, reached down, and grasped the man's heavy upper arm. Draco nodded and disapparated, and Hermione followed after him. 